everybody that's here today and everybody that's on YouTube or however you may listen, welcome everybody, everybody. Here in Psalm 17, this is a prayer of David. He said, hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. He said, give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. So he's being honest. He's laying everything out here. He's pouring his heart out to God. And he's pouring his, out, or his heart out to him. And he's just being honest with him. And he says, let my indignation come from your presence. Let your eyes look upon the things that are upright. See, David wanted everything between him and God. He wanted it right. He didn't want nothing in between them. He wanted his glory to come from the Lord. He says in verse 3, he says, You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed my mouth shall, or shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the path, path of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your path, that my footsteps may not slip. See, David knew that his strength came from the Lord. And it was going to be by his might that his footsteps were going to follow the Lord. And it was going to be by his strength that his footsteps, footsteps were, not going to, were not going to slip. And six, he says, I have called upon you, and you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. God, we ask you this morning to receive our worship. Hear our speech, God, as we praise your holy name. As we come and we worship you, God, and we lift you up. God, we don't want to bring attention to ourselves, but God, we want to glorify you, Lord, in everything that we do. He goes on to say in 7, he said, Show, me, show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you, from those who raise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye. Somebody give me an amen on that. He said, hide me under the shadow of your wings. And I thank God that I'm under his wings. I'm under his presence. I'm under his protection. I'm under his love. I'm under his mercy. And those mercies are renewed each and every day. Somebody praise the Lord. Go ahead. guys would stand to your feet. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for each and every one that showed up here today. God, I thank you, for Lord, for each and every one that's listening, Lord, or however they may be listening. And, and uh, God, we invite your presence here. God, let your Holy Spirit lead me and guide me, Lord, and Lord, whenever they see me up here, Lord, they won't see Dwayne. But they'll see you. God, I ask, Lord, that you lead this service according to your will. God, bring out the scripture according to how you choose. God, I ask you to open the ears for those who hear. And Lord, let the word be deposited into their lives. And lead them, guide them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
You know, when I was planning this message, I was talking to the Lord. And as I was talking to the Lord, um, he woke me up one night in the middle of the night. And he was like, he said, Dwayne, I heard this word. He said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You know, I'm in the schools now and I actually speak to a lot of people and I see out into the world of how a lot of people is being deceived. And they're being uh, led by the wrong word. But you know, Jesus said it would be this way. In Matthew 24 and 4, Jesus said, he said, take heed. That no one deceive you. So whenever he said take heed. He said look. And make sure no one is leading you astray. Make sure what we're listening to. And what we're doing. Lines up right here. Make sure this is the God in our lives. Because that's the end of the day. This is all that matters. <clears throat> You can turn to James chapter 1. I love this book. Whenever I started studying, um, I started studying this book here. And um, if you could see my Bible, it's actually a different color than the rest of the pages. Because I wore, these, I wore this book out. But in, uh, in James chapter 5, or, or chapter 1, verse 5, I mean. He goes on, he says, but let him ask in faith with no, I'm sorry, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. You know, we can read the word of God and when as we read the word of God, we can gain a lot of knowledge. We can gain things from reading the, from reading the Bible. We can gain the, the stories or the, the things that went on to the Bible, but we also need some wisdom. And he said, how do you get wisdom? Ask. So whenever I was planning this message, I said, God, give me some wisdom on this, Lord. Let me deliver this, God, on how you want me to do these things. So I asked for wisdom. But we also need wisdom on how to use the Word of God. You see, whenever uh, Satan comes, or the tempter, actually how it says in Matthew 4, he says, when the tempter came and tempted Jesus, what did it say? He said, if you are the Son of God, he said, turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? He used the word, didn't he? He said, he said there, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But I talked to a lot of people today, and uh, I see that they're following the wrong things, that, that Jesus isn't the most important thing. You know, someone said, he said, it takes knowledge to be able to take something apart. But he said it takes wisdom to be able to put it back together. And listen, I've, put, I've took a lot of stuff apart in my life. Sometimes I couldn't get it back together. <clears throat> and he goes on to say there in 6, he says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the seas driven and tossed by the wind. For let, lot, net, or for not, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Said he is a double-minded man. He's unstable in all of his ways. Do you know in Hebrews eleven six, he says it's impossible to please him without faith. 
In Hebrews 11, 5, it goes on to talk about Enoch and how he walked with God. And, he, and it pleased him because he walked by faith. Do you know, faith and doubt, it don't mix, does it? So if we are to follow him and we're going to please him, we've got to walk by faith. It's like water and oil. If you bring doubt into that, have you ever seen how water and oil, whenever it comes, it just separates, it don't mix together? So he's coming, he wants us to follow him with faith. And that's something we can look at our own self and, and, and say, God, am I stepping out on faith or am I living in doubt? Am I living in fear? I'm going to walk by faith in everything that I do. <clears throat> he goes on to say there in 9, he says, Let the lowly brother glory in his, ex his, his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen, risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. See, that's something we need to stand guard on and not get caught up in the things that's going on in this world. Not get caught up in the things that are happening out here. Because you know that the devil himself would give you anything if you'll bow down and worship him. Listen, if he tempted Jesus that way, yes, he's going to tempt you the same way. See, he came there whenever he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4 and 9. Or he tempted Jesus there. He said, he said all these things, he said, I'll give you if you'll bow and worship me. But what did Jesus say? He said, away with you, Satan. He says, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. See, the only thing in this life that matters is people. Everything else is passing away. Jerry experienced that on the weekend. The only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus. But as I talk to people, a lot of people would be happy with getting to heaven if Jesus is there or not. It don't work like that. You must fall in love with Jesus. As David said, he said, your hand is good. But he said, it's your face that I want to see. That's what's got to be important in our life. Lord, I want to get to heaven. But the main thing that when I, when I get there, what I want to do is I want to see Jesus. I want to get there so I can see Jesus. So I can meet Jesus. I can walk to Him and hug Him and tell Him I love Him and put my arms around Him and thank Him for what He done on Calvary for me. Hallelujah. And going on into 12, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And he's kind of speaking like the Beatitudes here. He says, blessed. He starts off like the Beatitudes. He said, blessed is the man. Blessed is meaning receiver or recipient, recipient of a divine favor. He says that blessed is the man who endures temptations. Listen, who's tempted in life? Maurice, two hands. We've all got temptations, right? But he says, blessed is the man who can endure those temptations. Because we're all going to be tempted. We're all going to go through, go through things in life. He said, but he wants us to live in a way... No matter if we're on the top of the mountain or in the valley that we live the same because we, we lean on God's word and we trust in him that when those temptations come that we lean in and we're a doer of his word. And he goes on to say there <clears throat> in the rest of that verse he goes for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. <clears throat> 
Those who love Him. You know, as you grow into the, as you grow in the Lord, you grow to love the Lord. And loving the Lord shows growth in your relationship, don't it? See, as you start growing and you, and you start uh, having this relationship with God, he, starts, he may ask you to do some things. Well, whenever you're young and immature, you may say, Well, Lord, I don't want to do that. That's not a heaven or hell issue. But as you grow, you do those things because he asked you. Not because they're heaven or hell issues. Not because, well, this is going to send me to hell. No, it's like, you ever done something for somebody and um, you didn't really want to do it, but you done it because you cared for them? It's the same way with the Lord. It's like, uh, I always use the story when I talk about this, is the, the Lord asked my wife Jenna to uh, quit drinking Diet Mountain Dew. Drinking Diet Mountain Dew is not a, it's not a heaven or hell issue, is it? It's, I mean, it is a sin. But he had asked her to quit because, see, God had already been around the corner in that situation. He sees our future. You know, my Bible tells me he works out all things for the good for those who love and are called what? According to his purpose, right? So when he asked her to quit that, I'm sure that she may have battled. But once she heard his voice... She said, all right, Lord, I'm done. Because he, she knew that, that he was looking out for her best interest. Because she knew that later on that she, she realized that if she kept drinking six diet Mountain Dews a day, it was probably going to do something to her body. But see, whenever you have that relationship, it's not a heaven or hell issue. It's a love issue. He said for those who love him. And he goes on to say there, well, it's like the boy here. He was riding down the road with his friends and they were going to a party. The Holy Spirit was there with him though. And the Holy Spirit started convicting him. And he told them, he said, guys, just pull over the car right here. I want to get out. And I'm sure they probably made fun of him and said, what? Why, are you afraid of your daddy might hurt you? He looked at him and he said, No, I'm afraid I'll hurt him. It shows growth, don't it? <clears throat> he goes on to say here in 13, he says, Let no one say whenever he is tempted, he says, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, listen now, he says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then whenever desire has, uh, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, get, or brings forth death. So God does not tempt us. He's saying there that he nor, nor can he be tempted. You know, in the Bible there, he also said, he said, the, the adversary is coming. He says, but he has nothing in me. Ain't that what he said? So he says whenever we're tempted, we're tempted and drawn away by our own desires. desires. And that's a good thing to realize. We should realize that what our weaknesses are. You know, the Bible talks about how we should set ourselves up to succeed. If you're going to set yourself up to succeed in something, if you're going to set yourself to succeed in business, 
You need to go and, and study that business. If you're going to set yourself up to succeed in being a mechanic, you need to go get tools. You need to get a garage. You need to, you need to have heat for whenever winter comes. Whatever it is to, for you to succeed in, you need to set yourself up to succeed in it, right? Well, we're living as a Christian. We need to also examine ourselves and see what our weaknesses are so we can stand guard of those things and set ourselves up to succeed. <clears throat> I went into 16, he says here, he says, do not be deceived. A deeper meaning, is these, it means led astray, to wander. You ever been that person out in the world, wandering? I'm not proud of it, but yeah, I was that person. Was led astray. And he says there, he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. From, from, from above, comes down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation of shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the, by the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So he's also saying that we can be deceived, but he's also saying that we have to watch and make sure that we don't deceive ourselves. You know, when I was reading that, and I come across that, he said, don't deceive yourself. You know, it's, you think of it, you're like, you understand, well, yeah, I could be deceived by somebody else if you're following wrong doctrine or following wrong, wrong teaching. But you know, whenever he said, don't deceive yourselves, I got to thinking about my own life. You know, whenever I read the Word of God, I try to apply it to my life because it makes it real. And it makes it me to understand those things. And I started looking at my own self. And he said, don't, he said, don't of deceiving yourselves. And whenever I got saved, I had to overcome a lot of obstacles. A nice way of putting that. So what I did was I stayed home. And I wouldn't leave my house in case I had somebody that was with me that I trusted. Because I had to overcome things. Because I knew that I would, if I left on my own, that I would lie to myself. And I would get myself somewhere that I didn't need to be. Ever done this? Has anybody else ever lied to themselves? So I knew that about myself. I examined myself and I said, all right, Lord, that's a fault of mine. Because if I knew, if I get out there wandering, before you know it, I'd be headed down the wrong road. So I had to hold myself accountable and make sure that I didn't deceive myself. <clears throat> he goes on in 23, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. See, that sounds crazy, don't it? That you would turn and look in a mirror and see what you look like. But then after you looked at it, you would turn around and forget what you even look like. It sounds crazy, don't it? Everybody turn over to Genesis 3. 
In Genesis 3 here, he says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. This word cunning, in the King James, it's like it says subtle, crafty. A better meaning it would be clever at achieving, achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. So he was good at deceiving people, wasn't he? That's what the Bible's trying to tell us here. And he says, And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? This is just something for personal thought. Do you think it was possible that man and animal talked before the fall? I do. And why I think that is because it didn't say that uh, she was startled. It didn't say she was scared. It said the servant just came up and spoke to her. But whenever he spoke to her, what did he try to do? He tried to twist God's word. Ain't that what he does? You can apply it to your own life. He comes and he tries to twist God's word. Ain't that like the devil always trying to twist and, and deceive you by, by trying to twist God's instructions in your life? <clears throat> In verse 2, he goes on to say there, he says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. But see, there was the first mistake. God didn't say not to touch it. But what good would come from touching something you weren't supposed to have anyways? But she goes on and added to God's word, and said, God said not to even touch it. See, that was the first mistake. <clears throat> and something for just what Dwayne thinks. You ever heard that before? God told Adam there in Genesis 2, he said, don't eat the fruit of the good and evil, right? Of the tree of the good and evil. So who do you think responsibility would have been to tell Eve? I think it would have been Adam's job. But you wives here that are married... How many, is your husband a good uh, communicator? Raise your hand if he is. <laughs> Three people, I rest my case. <laughs> so I think Adam could have maybe dropped the ball on that. I think he could have said, ah, it's, you know, whatever he may have told her. I don't know what he could have told her. But see, she didn't even know where the tree is at. Said, I said, it's over in the midst of the garden. She didn't even know where it was at. So that tells me that communication is very important among not being deceived. Having communion with God. Staying in, in, in conversation with Him. Staying in God's Word. Talking about things and talking things out. So we're not deceived. That way we know what we're standing for. And listen, I know what I'm standing for. I'm standing on the foundation of the Word of God. He is the way, the truth, and life. Jesus is that foundation. And then <clears throat> He says here in... Uh, in verse 4, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, he comes at her and he lies to her. See, what does the Bible say? The, the, the devil only comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. So he comes to her and he lies, he lies to her. And he says, you won't die. He said, you'll be like God. And see, he lied to her by saying what he wanted. He was the one that wanted to, wanted to be like God, wasn't he? And what did she do? She touched it. 
But once you touch it, then, then there you are, nothing happens. And then when this nothing happens, you start, your mind starts rolling, don't it? Oh, well, I've been told it, that, it, that, it, that I would die. But look, I've already touched it and nothing happens. Then you take another step. That's the way it works. He said, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. What if, I'm going to give you a what if here. What if Adam had given the fruit to Eve? She could have had an excuse. She could have said, well, I was just simply doing what the head of the household told me to do. Because I, God told Adam in Genesis 2 not to eat the fruit. And I believe it was his responsibility to tell Eve. And then, but it, see, it didn't happen like that. That's why I think that Satan knew that Eve was the weaker vessel, the Bible says. So he went after her. And then she gave it to him and he ate of it. It says in verse 7, he says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed the fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, or from, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What good can come from hiding from God? But I've been that person too. That we, that we was wrapped up in the middle of something. And whenever God come hollering or God come knocking, God come calling my name, I went and I hid and out of the presence of God because I didn't want to deal with what I was in the middle of. Ever been that person? And then verse 9, he says, Then the Lord called Adam and said to him, He said, Where are you? Listen, whenever God gives you a question, He already knows the answer. He's given you an opportunity to come clean. He's given you an opportunity to talk to Him. To tell Him what's going on. He's doing it in a nice way. And He goes on to say there, Said, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said to the woman, he said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree or the fruit of the tree and I ate. I've always heard this story as he blamed the woman. But I want you to listen to what he really said. He said... It was that woman you gave me. <clears throat> he blamed God, didn't he? When I read these scriptures and I look at them and I apply them to my own life and I said, Lord, I've been that person right there. I've been down into the middle of my sin. I've been down into the deep of the pit down there. When God come calling and he gave me an opportunity to repent that I was down there by myself and there was no one else to blame and I couldn't blame myself, so I blamed God. He was the reason I was there. But he wasn't the reason I was there. It was my choices. It was my actions. But see, whenever you read this, and you think this, you're like, Lord, why would he have done that? But when you apply it to your life, I realize 
that was me. And that's why whenever I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus. Because he is my deliverer. He is my savior. He's the one that picks me up out of that pond, right? Hallelujah. In verse 13, he says, And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Finally, somebody came clean and said, God, I messed up. And God, I need you. It's that moment when you take responsibility for your actions, for what you've done, that God will show up in your situation. When you repent, see there's accountability in repenting, right? Whenever you repent, you realize that God, I've messed up. That's what she's saying here. Said, she told him exactly what happened. Said, said, the serpent deceived me. See why this word deceived is keep coming up? But if you read this in the Hebrew, it's a lot deeper meaning. It says, he caused me to forget. Ain't that what we talked about a while ago in James? It said, cause me to forget. <clears throat> Just for a moment, whenever Satan comes and tempts you, and those own desires on the inside, just for a minute, you forget the consequences. Just for a minute, you're drawn away. Just for a minute, you forget God's Word. Just for that moment, you turn away. And you become a hearer of the Word and not a doer. And you turn away and you forget what you even look like. I tell you what the book of James 1 and 14 says. Just in that moment, he says when we're tempted, we're tempted and drawn away by our own desires. On to 14, he says, So the Lord God said to, said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and, uh, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And you can imagine what they're actually sitting there as, as Adam and Eve are standing there and they're seeing all this happen. You could, you could imagine what they were thinking. Oh, we're next. <laughs> because it slithers away on the ground. But I'll tell you what he says. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What's he talking about? Jesus. This is the first sermon that was ever written, and it was written by Jesus or by Jehovah Himself. He says there plainly, he's talking about Jesus, and he said, Jesus is coming, and he's going to crush that serpent. Amen. That Jesus, he feeded him on the cross. And that was the, he was defeated whenever he was on that cross. And he said, it's finished. Amen. Listen, we have a Lord and a Savior. He already defeated the devil. All he wants us to do is follow him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you don't want to be deceived, all I can tell you is follow Jesus. Everybody turn over to John 10.
In John 10, he says, in verse 1, he says, Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep do- or does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the, uh, is the sheep shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He said he called them by name and he leads them out. That's showing that he has a personal relationship with them. That he calls them by name. That they're each individuals. And he said he leads them out. He goes on to say in 4, he says, And whenever he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep, what did he say? And the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. As Jerry was talking about, earlier makes me think about whenever I was younger and I would go to the farm with my grandpa and we'd go up to that gate and he'd holler for those cows and those cows would come running he says there in the word says they know his voice and they follow him see whenever we'd go and he'd holler for those cows those cows would come running but I could go up there by myself and holler for those cows, and those cows just turn and look. But it was because he had spent time with them. It's because he was there every morning and every night to feed those cows, to tend to them. It's because he'd put the relationship, he had been there, that he was there day and night. He was attending to those, the needs of those cows. Those cows, he gained their trust, and they learned his voice. And that's so, uh, it's emotional. And I think about the going there to the farm with my grandpa and how those cows would come every day. And how so important it is for us to have that relationship with the Lord each and every day. So we don't listen to the wrong things. Things that don't line up with this. <clears throat> then in 6, Jesus used uh, this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who have ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He's saying he takes responsibility for you. That he'll take care of you. When you're in the pond, he'll pick you up. He said they'll go in and out and find pasture. Hallelujah. He said the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. He says I have come that they may, find, or may, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he's proven that. He did that. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So he's telling us there. What's he saying? We could be saved. You know, actually, Jesus said, um, I'm trying to remember where he said that at. In the last days, if possible, even the elect 
will be deceived. Strong statement, ain't it? So Jesus told us these things were coming. I don't know why he's giving me this word. I don't know if there's something coming in the future that this needs to, to uh, implant in us to, to where we remember saying, hey, I don't line up with God's word. I don't know. I'm just a messenger. And he goes on to say that they will be scattered. So he's saying, yes, that the, if we follow the wrong things, we could be scattered. He says the hireling flees because, a, is a, because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I, know, and, and I am known by my own. As, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, or I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know what that tells me? There's other flocks, ain't there? It ain't about Baptist. It ain't about Pentecost. It ain't about a Methodist. It's about trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord. And your Savior. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Whenever I get to heaven, I get to see Jesus. Amen. I'm going to skip on over to 25. Jesus answered them, or 24. says, then, uh, then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered to them, I, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Worship leader, or bank, come on up. Said they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And they follow me. What does that mean to you? What does follow me mean to you? Does it mean to uh, put him first in your life? Does it mean to become more like him? This is something for you to fill in the blank. Does it mean to surrender? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus said about it. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, he said, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. Listen, if there's anybody here, and you don't know the Lord, maybe if you strayed away, and you got out there and you started wondering. Listen, this altar's open. You can have a choice today to say, Lord, I don't want to be that person that's out there wondering. God, I want to follow you. Maybe if you're here and you have a need. And God, I need a miracle from you. Listen, my God's able. Jerry just spoke of that, that some supernatural being, if he was Jesus himself or manifestation of his spirit, picked him up out of that pond 
and placed him on a solid piece of ice. The only thing that God can't do is sin. But listen, we serve a God that can do anything. The only thing, well, even the word impossible spells I'm possible. So if you have a need, if you need a healing, if you need a circumstance in your life, or if you just need deliverance from something, this altar is open for you. May you come.